week on the Koshcast. West Ham have signed Felipe Anderson, Cristiano Ronaldo has joined Juventus, France have won the World Cup, and Vladimir Putin has gone from handing out golden medals to dossiers with golden showers in the space of just two days. The world's gone mad, it's 40 degrees, there's a storm going on outside, and we've just witnessed the most poignant moment for the Blues since the sad passing of BB King. Plug your headphones in. I am just kidding, of course, your headphones were already plugged in. Hello and welcome to the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and his name is Bernie. Yeah, shaku shaku. Shaku shaku. <laughs> How you well, doing, man? I'll explain what that means later, but I am great. Great. I'm glad to hear it. We are just the two of us today, building castles in the sky. Yep. Just the two of us, you and I. Just the two of us. Building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. You and die. Yep. And then Will Smith goes, true that, true that. Well, speaking someone of, does. Speaking of Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he performed the World Cup final and I missed that. I missed that too. Yeah, probably for the better. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> forgot it. We watched the World Cup final at Real Sports. And, uh, which is, if you, don't, if you don't live in Toronto, Real Sports is uh, a massive, massive sports bar owned by MLSE who own all the sports teams in Toronto. So basically they created it so that if you didn't buy a ticket to their game you can still go and spend your money on them with their $20 chicken tenders and, and their massive screen. And no one wants to be in there for longer than you need to, really. The, the line to get into that place for World Cup Final was like, when they release a new iPhone and you go to the mall, <laughs> yeah. that's what this line was like. It was like the line for the Nigeria jersey when it came out. It made no sense. I cannot believe that people... like. Firstly, the line was so long, you wouldn't have gotten in until halftime. No. That's how long the line was. So people tip... For the next World Cup, 2022, in Qatar, wins the final, watch it at home, yes. and invite people to your house. That's the thing. Do like, that. You've got to be organized. I have no sympathy if you're, <laughs> if you're lining up for the World Cup final 10 minutes before the game starts. Like, yes, either watch it at home, or reserve, or like find a quiet bar. There's 100 million of them. Like, You know what I mean? It's yeah. just sad. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, there are lots of pubs out there that, that, that could do this with a big screen. You know what? If you want me to bring a projector for you, <laughs> I will do that. And, and a just pay me some money. Yeah, exactly. We can make this happen. Nice. Anyway, uh, so we did watch the World Cup final. It was it was a good final. Often, yeah. often finals are a bit cagey, a bit kind of defensive. No one wants to lose. In this case, everyone was fine with losing. They just bloody went for it. It was great. Yeah, this was this was the World Cup final. That we had to have because mm. the tournament itself was fantastic. I, I've I've been bored during World Cup World Cups, mm. and as we put on record, I was not excited for this World Cup at all, like not even a smidgen. But by the time it was done, I was in awe. This is the best World Cup I've ever seen, and this final just epitomized everything. We had own goals, we had wonderful goals, and we even had VAR make a controversial yes. appearance in this game. So, in the first World Cup, the VAR was actually used, and no one enjoyed this particular usage of VAR. I did. Uh, I, I did too. Mohana didn't, <laughs> but that was... brought me joy as yeah, well. So. Exactly. <laughs> no, it, it was amazing, and, it, and as you say, it was an appropriate final, because the World Cup we've had has had so many different stories, from, you know, Uruguay not conceding a goal for, like, 500 minutes, to... Uh, Hugo Lloris nearly eating a grasshopper. <laughs> and, and, I mean, what else was it? I mean, it was just, you know, Croatia being possibly the best footballing side in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Hard to argue with that, I think. Yeah. I mean, Spain tried to be, but they just weren't. Yeah. Um, they were horrible. Absolutely horrible. Although Belgium, probably another another decent shout, although kind of, they were they were a little hit and, hit and miss. But it, there was just so much going on. And so, on Nigerian jersey as well, we cannot... We Nigerian jersey, that, football you know. coming home. Yeah, oh, um, that was brilliant. Germany actually going home. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I mean, even I mean, we just kind of jump straight into like highlights and and and, and memorable things from the tournament. But that South Korea two nil against Germany with uh, uh, Emmanuel Neuer dicking around oh, on the left wing and the long joy. ball and Son finishing. I mean, it, wonderful stuff. That brought, and, and of course, you had one spectacular goal from Lionel Messi and a hat trick from Cristiano Ronaldo. So at the world was all right. Everyone got a little bit of what they wanted yes. with this. I felt. Yes, and and there hasn't been a time I I think, at least in our lifetimes, where so much shit has been going on in the world around mm-hmm. the tournament, and it has been such a welcome reprieve. Yes, you know what I mean. Like we've been able yes. to bury our heads in the sand that is the World Cup, and it's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're back to reality. Exactly. We're going to ignore it for a bit longer by doing the pod. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> maybe we should just dive into the final that was. Sure. Um, started off. I was shocked at just how adventurous Croatia were mm. in in the first half, at least. Like, France, to me, and maybe I shouldn't have been shocked because this is what Deschamps was always going to do, counter-attack. But France have all the attacking talent. You would think Croatia don't have much attacking talent. They have midfield talent, but not maybe the attackers. But they really went for this. And Perisic and Mandzukic, some people like Rebic, I don't care. But those two... I'll throw Rebic in there just because they were honestly fantastic in the first half. They were, they were brilliant. I mean, the first 20 minutes, France barely got out of their half. Mm-hmm. Croatia had the ball. They were pressing. It wasn't kind of sterile possession either. It wasn't tiki-taka, pass it around for no reason. It was really direct going at them. And and it looked for a while like France would, would be under pressure for a lot longer. But they did what they've done all tournament, which is defend solidly, hold out, not concede actually any real quality chances. And then nick a goal. Yeah. And I said to you, when, when that header went in, it would be very appropriate if that was the only goal. Because that would sum up exactly how France have played this tournament. Mm. At least in the, when it comes to the knockout stages. And I think in the group stage, they were a bit more open, played a bit more football. Um, but yeah, it would have been perfectly reasonable for them to get that, that MTD header. And Oh no, sorry, it was an own goal, wasn't it? It was an own goal. MTD just got a header in a different round. Did, yeah. um, and then just like sharp shot. Yeah. It, it it really would have been been fair and I mean I I would France didn't have a shot on goal until the second half and they were up to one <laughs> yeah which made no sense and on that the free kick that got them on goal soft soft possibly. but honestly I I just I don't understand why it's so controversial. I mean, Mahanad, again, was losing his mind about this and mm-hmm. the penalty decision. But that decision gets given every week, 50 times. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. So just because it's a final doesn't mean it's not going to get given. You and, know? And, and apparently Pogba pushed Manzoukic in the back. <laughs> Everyone's already pushing everyone. I, 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 I'm surprised that that's even the thing that we want to mention, personally, because, like you said, everyone gets pushed in the back, but that's just elite mentality. In my <laughs> he, he knew that by pushing him, he'd get the own goal. That's just fantastic. I mean, door stuff right there. Given the half of Mandzukic's game is to leap in the air and shove people, you know, if it happens to him, there's not much he can complain yeah, about. That's fair play. Honestly, fair play. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're right. 2-1 with, with barely a shot on goal, and then... What was what was the three one? That was the penalty. No, it was no. Uh, they equalized with that Perisic goal. Oh yes, what a hit! What a goal that was! My lord. <laughs> the thing that cracked me up about that goal was that it looked it kind of, like they went for something off the training ground. Yeah. And what happened wasn't. Yeah. But it still sort of looked that way because it's like it would have been so. I think it was Vrsalko that made the run yeah. out of nowhere and Modric pings it to Rosalco and he's supposed to head it back into the box and then cause some chaos. Yeah. Which, it, ultimately, it did. Yes. But it, it took a moment of brilliance. So the ball comes out to Perisic, who takes it on his right foot and moves the ball to his left foot to take out, I think it was N'Golo Kante, yep. and then slams it with oh. his left foot into the net. An unstoppable shot. Honestly, that is one of the goals in the tournament. Yeah. But for the record, vote for Ahmed Musa <laughs> to win goal of tournament. Where, where That's does, what we're going Where with. does one do this? On the like FIFA Twitter account? Yeah, FIFA Twitter account. But we've actually tweeted this out, both mm. on my personal account and at under underscore the car. Yes. Vote for Ahmed Musa. But that's besides the point. Yeah, if you want to make Bernie happy, <laughs> given Nigeria went out. How dare you bring that part up? <laughs> also, also, just while we're on Nigeria, didn't you go 
so we we had a, a co-ed game last weekend. I couldn't be there, mm-hmm. but you played, and there was. I mean, tell 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 the listener what you saw when you arrived. <laughs> well, this was when I left. Like, I'm, oh, okay. I'm on I'm on the way out, and uh, I'm about to get into the car, and corner of my eye, see what I think looks like a Nigerian. So of course I'm interested. I turn, I look, and it's an entire like team of has to be said white people wearing the Nigeria kit, and they all have their names on the back. <laughs> and I just thought. One part of me felt proud, like wow, we made it. The other part of me said, "Hey, that's why we couldn't get these jerseys <laughs> because all of you took what we wanted." <laughs> it's not. It's uh, yeah, really kind of. I mean, there's cultural appropriation, and there's like there aren't enough shirts to go around, but we're still going to buy them anyway. Yeah, but hey, fueled the black market, so it's all good. Whatever. Is that a pun? Or? No, it was not <laughs> a pun at all. Thanks, Alex, for making this awkward. Sorry. Uh, right. Uh, right. Anything else about Nigeria or? No, we can go back to Croatia. Please. Okay. Although right. Thomas Lamar is apparently half Nigerian. Is he? Yeah. Oh, so he did nothing. Yeah. So... But we're still claiming his wealth. Okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay. Well, let's discuss this because this is a point. There has been a lot of talk, obviously, about Africa United. Mm-hmm. There's this French team that is majority just made call up. Just Wakanda. Of fish. Say, <laughs> yeah. Just call it that. Majority made up of people with African origin. Um, as the African correspondent mm-hmm. on this podcast, did do people in Nigeria? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask about you know other countries, but do people in Nigeria feel any more affinity with this France team? Yes, because of that. Yes, okay. uh, ab- absolutely. Um, Africans do this all the time. So I remember when France won France '98 as a little kid, and and people said, "Oh, we were happy because you know they they have a lot of black players." And I didn't understand it growing up as how I rolled. I think it was 10. I didn't really understand it. But yeah. now it's even more so, and I get it. They really do affiliate. Because when well, the thing about the World Cup is your country is in it, and you, and you support your country. When your country's out, everyone looks for someone to support. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. And you're going to support who you feel closest to or whoever makes you feel good. So the Nigerians that did support Croatia got a bashing on social media. <laughs> they really, really did. Because you're going against Wakanda. Black Panther came out this year. You cannot go against Wakanda. No. So I was happy that France ultimately did win um, for, for those reasons and then some. Also because players, I know them more than the Croatians as well. So. Sure. Fair enough. Well, there was also the kind of Vida did not make himself appear the most uh, likable kind of guy with his little social media gaffe. Uh, racism. Let's call it what it is. What did you say again? Oh, there was some like white Croatian nationalism. He shit does going look on. like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You remember that time we were on the train going from I think it was Rome to Berlin, and we saw the neo Nazi Nazis. He Very much felt so. like that to me. He, yeah. I mean, he's not trying to disguise much, is he? <laughs> and then, and then uh, but then I mean, the reason that I really wanted this this particular France team to win, and it was similar in '98, was that there is a lot of racial tension in France. There is a lot of racism in France, and this just sticks it to them. Mm-hmm. It really sticks it to them, especially. Um, and we were talking kind of off air about there. There, there are loads of clips. One of them, one of which you heard, is the intro um, of this French squad and Deschamps and Macron, and they're all singing and they're singing about Angola Conte and they're singing uh, Le Marseillaise. And the fact that this French squad impromptu just burst out into the French national anthem is is a massive fuck you to a lot of people yes. who think. Oh, they're they're Africans. They don't care about France. Yeah. Is it like these things are not mutually exclusive? Yes. You can be proud of your origins. You can be proud of you know where your parents came from, where your grandparents came from, and the country that you were born in and lived in and raised in. And you know th- that's why this victory is wonderful. I, I I agree. And and it's it's and I I have an article coming out tomorrow, so just shameless plug. But mm. I talk a little bit at the end about why I think Paul Pogba was the leader of this team. Because, in essence, he was the leader of the African contingent. But what they didn't do was leave out the non-Africans. In fact, they, they used their African culture to bring them all together, where you have Antoine Griezmann doing the Shaku Shaku dance that we all do in Nigeria, <laughs> and you have Giroud looking up and trying to sing African songs. Like You're bringing everyone together knowing what the majority is, but not leaving them out, which is actually what these far-right people are afraid of. But let's leave that for a second because some people well, do not want us to get political mm. in life. But th- let's talk about something controversial that is not racial tensions. Okay. VAR. Right. So I think this was for the second goal. Yes. The one that Griezmann put away. The penalty. The penalty. Was it a penalty? Was it the, did VAR do its job? How do we feel about this? I didn't 
obviously didn't notice it in real time, and which is what VAR is for. Mm-hmm. Something that you know, and and the referee only gets told about stuff that the people in the studio think should be looked at, right? Mm-hmm. So they suggested it. He looked at it. I, th- I mean, the ball hits his hand, his arm, whatever. It, it's no, it's not deliberate, but. 99% of handballs given aren't deliberate. Yes. I mean, the, uh, the only one I can think of in recent memory was, is Suarez. Yeah. The only deliberate handball, right? It just doesn't happen, really. Uh, by the letter and, of the law, it's not a handball. By the way the law is written. So it's either it's going to be deliberate or some bullshit about unnatural position, right? Yeah. But I, I agree with you there in that by the letter of the law, this is not handball. But again, this is like how I am with offside. But because right. there are all these directives that either FIFA or UEFA or whoever have put into place that really make this a hot topic. Because by letter of law, that is not a handball. So I am all with the people that support Croatia in this. But you're right in that we have seen countless, countless offsides, sorry, countless handballs called for stuff just like that because it was in the penalty box and has the potential to stop a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. So I don't. In my mind, I go with precedent. If we're if we're gonna call the what happened with Portugal and Iran, <laughs> right, a penalty, which right. I, I believe they called that a penalty, yeah. then this has to be a penalty. Yeah. If that's what you're going to do, yeah. And and I do think with incidents like that, you are more likely to get the yes decision to a, to a penalty or a free kick because that you can't. I'd imagine it must be really hard to sit there watching it mm-hmm. on repeat ten times and not give it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I remember it, the ref. He looked at it, he ran, and then he decided, wait a minute. He was going to go onto the pitch and he said, let me check it one more mm. time just to make sure. So the idea that a referee would make, obviously maybe you think they made a mistake, but this was not an intentional mistake. No. This was his interpretation. And that's what people mistake about VAR. Some people say, oh, we hate it and it's not good for the game. To be honest, except for the group stages, no one talked about VAR, which it was, means it was actually working the way it was intended to work. Yeah, I tell you what, it actually went a lot better than I would have predicted, given how it's gone in Germany this season and in Italy this season. Like, it's been quite controversial. Mm-hmm. But during the World Cup, and especially in the group stages, yeah, it worked pretty smoothly, yeah. which is a good sign for the future, because I, it's not going anywhere. I think it, it must, where it can, who has, like, where, who has the money for it, and... The major league should implement it right now. It was a raging success. More decisions were... I mean, look at South Korea or Germany. That goal was ruled offside, but they, they went to VAR and they got the right decision. Yep. And who knows? Germany could have still been in the tournament if not for something like that. Yep. And I'm happy that they weren't because they didn't deserve a thing. So VAR overall, for me, did its job. You may not agree with it, but it's still open to interpretation. We're just giving referees a tool to make a more informed decision. Exactly. And, and ultimately... Refereeing a game is... I mean, they do an unbelievable job. Yeah. It's basically an impossible task. Yeah. It's basically a wild goose chase. But they do an incredible job without it. And now they have another tool to help them do it, mm-hmm. do it well. Absolutely. And, and that's fair enough. And, and the only other thing that I want to mention is that when VAR was brought in, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, but we like, discuss, we like debating decisions. You still got it. Yeah. You still got your debate. <laughs> that is not going anywhere. You can still be angry about something. Exactly. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Um, let's let's talk about the penalty itself. Griezmann is not that good at penalties, but in th- in terms of where he puts the ball, but his record. But the keeper always goes the wrong way. Yeah. like it's never right in the corner. Yeah, the keeper always goes the wrong way. Maybe that's part of his power. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I don't know. What maybe they should zoom in on the eyes. So he scored. I think he scored two penalties this tournament, mm-hmm. or so from, or maybe three. I don't remember. But he got four. Um, Mbappe got four. We'll talk about Mbappe in a second. Uh, I still love his Fortnite celebration. I don't yes. care what anyone oh, says. It's lovely. It's brilliant. Um, third goal. I, I, my, my thought about this game was that second half, Croatia would come out with fury. They didn't. Actually, France had the first shot on target, and France came out a little bit more aggressively, although Croatia did come back into it. But third goal, I'm going to say this now, Paul Pogba did his thing. He started the move. He finished the move. For me, everyone knows I'm a massive Paul Pogba fanboy after saying that Man United should not sign him so I can accept when I'm wrong sometimes and also when it works in my favor I can accept when I'm wrong it's fine it's very big of you yeah thank you very much I tried very hard to um, but it has to be said he had a wonderful tournament he did very very well people were like Graham Sunes or assholes I'm talking about him being dropped he did a fantastic job and I am all for Paul Pogba soaking it up 
doing the whole don't talk thing, dabbing. It's all good. Whatever like, you need to do. You man. win the Roy Keane said the best. Do whatever you want with your hair. Dance. I don't care. You won the World Cup. You can do whatever you want at this point. Listen, if Roy Keane is on board, <laughs> <laughs> then you've won. Yeah. And it was fitting that he did score in the final because some people were saying he doesn't take game by the scruff of the neck and this and that. And it's a final. You scored in the final. I'm just happy for him because he can look back in the next, like, the rest of his life and say, I scored in the final. Yes. That's, that's all you want in your life. That's all I dreamt of as a kid. Right. And that never happened. Look where I am. I'm talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And, I, I mean, to be honest, if we're going to be honest about... The goal itself, the shot itself, mm. was nothing special. It was yeah. like the Griezmann penalty. It wasn't in the corner or whatever. The keeper was already moving the wrong way, which is why it went yeah. in. But the part, the volleyed pass mm-hmm. that he played in the first place to set Mbappe free was world class. Yep. And so, I mean, for that reason alone, he deserved to finish that move off. It, was, it was wonderful. Absolutely. And, and, and if you look at the game, he had the most touches for France, most passes for France. Most interceptions for France. Most retention of the ball for France. He literally was the hub of the French team, which is what everyone said he could not do. Every statistic that's important, he owns a statistic. So, honestly, Paul Pogba, if you were listening, which I know you aren't, you're whatever, you never will, you deserve this. We're all (laughs) for you except for one person. It's all good. Good job. The other other thing I want to say is tactically... Pogba did prove some people wrong here. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about how to get the best out of him. Mm. And even whether this was the best of Paul Pogba, we don't know. It certainly wasn't as attacking as Paul Pogba can be. Mm. But he was asked to play a more defensive role, and he did it. For Manchester United, he has struggled with that. Yeah. And so it is interesting to work out the kind of the dynamics as, as to why this worked for him. On the one hand, people thought that Deschamps, including myself, had gone a bit mental when he started with... Matuidi nominally on the left wing, mm. right? And Matuidi played this kind of hybrid role where he was on the left, but he was also kind of an auxiliary central midfielder. And did that give Pogba more freedom? No. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean that Pogba was, had any more license to go forward. We didn't see him no. driving into he the box. He actually did more of a defensive job than both, pa- both Matuidi and N'Golo Kante. Right. With the statistics. So he did, didn't free him up. He, actually, to your point, he did more of a defensive job yeah. in a three. And... The sad part about this is, this does vindicate Jose Mourinho. But, on the one hand, yes, because Jose asks him to do a more defensive job, and but so far he hasn't done it particularly mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So it vindicates Mourinho in that the job can be done, but it, ought to, but it doesn't vindicate Mourinho in that Mourinho can't get him to do it properly, yeah. whereas Deschamps has. Which, I mean, Deschamps can get him to do something, they know you're an idiot. <laughs> but so... Is Paul Pogba going to go back to Jose Mourinho and say, listen, this is what worked for me? Or is Mourinho going to get on the phone to Deschamps and be like, what was it you did? You know what I mean? Like, where does this go for, for Pogba if at Jose United? If Jose Mourinho didn't watch France play and watch the midfield three and go, I want Fred to do um, the Matuidi job and Nemanja Matic to do the defensive midfield job and let Pogba do what he needs to do, which is what he did for France then he's stupid. Because you that is the blueprint. That is the blueprint that can possibly challenge Man City. Not win because he won't, but possibly challenge Man City. So what you're saying is Fred on the left wing for United. That's what we're talking Unfortunately, about. Unfortunately, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, well, Alexis Andrews doesn't have his visa, so it yeah, might happen. You should get out of my life. <laughs> All right, so where are we up to? It's 3-1. It's yes. 3-1. Then Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe had a rubbish game, yes. but scored a brilliant goal. Yes. Kylian Mbappe looked like Theo Walcott. Yes. He was pacey, he was dangerous, theoretically, mm-hmm. but in practice, his touch was off. His first Nothing. touch was so bad it in this game. so bad. We talk about Lukaku's first touch. <laughs> Mbappe's first touch was rubbish. Yep. But he got the goal. And I will say this again. He is 19 years of age. I will accept you have a poor touch 19 years of age. I, we can make jokes about Lukaku being 24, fine. But this kid is 19 years of age. You would have a bad first touch then, but he still scored in a World Cup final. Yep. And at 19 years of age, you don't have to be dreaming about that at that age, right? Like, so he will get better. I believe he can learn. Unlike some people, I believe he can learn the first touch. And I believe also he might be devastating enough that he may not need that. What he did against Argentina yeah. is just proof of that. So... The kid is amazing. I'm, I'm excited to see where, where, he, where he goes from here. And 
it was a good finish. It, it was a good finish, and and it was a very smart finish because like again, not perfectly in the corner, mm-hmm. but it was it was another trick where the keeper thought it was going into the far corner because of the way that he positioned his body. But he kind of he used the defender as a screen and then whipped it into the near post. But Very smart. Subasic did have a terrible day to not become super, not be superhuman yes. like he was all tournament. Yes, he he had a bad day. He was crying at the end. You can understand it. <laughs> um, but the the one the one thing I wanted to mention about Mbappe is that I saw a tweet today and forgive me, I can't remember where I saw it or who who tweeted it. But the point was, isn't it lovely that we're going to be able to watch Mbappe over the next however many years? And not have to debate as to whether he can win a World Cup. Yes. Because he already did. And yes, it will be lovely to not have to talk about that nonsense. Someone put this into perfect like context. They said, in Qatar 2022, he'll be 23. I said, what? <laughs> We're not even talking about prime Mbappe two World Cups in. That is nuts. That's mental. And if you think about it, their team is young enough that they could still be the best team in the world in 2022. They should be. I mean, the, th- the thing with France is... Everyone knows they're a good team. I didn't see anyone name them as their favourites to win this going into mm-hmm. the competition. I did not hear that. Um, but they got to the final of the Euros. And they should have won that. Yeah. They were one stupid Adair Adair goal. Never beat you. <laughs> right. No. Um, and so they've been to two finals now. They've won one of them. And you're right. That is a young team. I mean, that back four is ridiculous. Pavard is not even a right back. Yeah. He was playing right back and he's, what, 22. Then you've got Varane, who's 25. Who was next to him? I and think Gigi's, Gigi's like 23, 24 yeah. or something like that. And then Lucas Hernandez is like 20-ish. Yeah. And even look at... I mean, Dembele didn't even really play and he's young. He's I think he's 20. Yeah, Lamar uh, is 24, 25. Yeah, Pogba will be 29. So he can still do a job. And Golo Kante, I don't even think... He looks old, but I'm not sure he's that old. <laughs> he's 27. Matuidi's old, but Toliso can replace him. He'll exactly. be 29. Like, they really have a... And look at who they didn't even take. Martial's young. Lacazette could be 30 but then, so he could still maybe do a he job. He will be like, 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, Giroud plays like he's 30, so if he's... Yeah. Lacazette could still play. Age is not going to have any effect on Giroud's game. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's not going to make any difference. Giroud with no shots on target this whole tournament. Let's just let that be known. Granted. But I'll let him know. He did... He literally did a job. <laughs> what that job was is up for the debate, but he did a job. Um, and then let's get to possibly one of the most fun moments of this was Hugo Lloris having an absolute mare. I don't know what he was thinking. And, and Mohamed said it before the game, but he does have a mistake in him, and he absolutely does. Yeah. And, and it's a shame because he had a brilliant tournament. He was absolutely yes. fantastic, and then he did this. And he's lucky he got away with it because that is one of those things a la Carius, which will haunt you for the rest of your days if you do not win the game. The thing is, he had to do this. And, <laughs> and I say this because the, the best goalkeepers in the world, in my opinion, at least top two are De Gea and Neuer. And both had mares. Awful. Absolute mares. And Hugo Lloris wants to be in that group. And we all know Thibaut, Thibaut Courtois, I think he was the best goalkeeper in the tournament, by the way. He got but the golden glove or whatever. Generally, Courtois can't keep his legs closed, so he has mares all the time. Hugo Lloris needed this world-class mayor <laughs> to get into that pantheon of elites. Yeah. I mean, he had one again in the qualifiers, but no one cared. So this was important. And I'm happy that he did it because now we can name him along the greats. <laughs> Fair enough. That's what he needed to get in. <laughs> I like it. Um, so 4-2. And you know what? That goal was quite... I appreciated that goal because for a while it was 2-1 to France and it looked like Croatia were pushing. They might get back into it. 2-2 would have been great for the neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, and 4-2 just made it a game again for at least a little bit. Yes. You know? um, Croatia-wise, let's quickly talk about uh, Luka Modric, who won the golden ball. Well Is that deserved. right? Well deserved. Yeah. yeah? I think yeah. so too. I, I, he was fantastic. And I, I think what comes into it for me is he looks... And I, and I know there's a thing about... You know, bigger players, especially when they're young. Mm. But Luka Modric is fucking tiny. Yes. He is tiny. It's the same with Kante, it's the same with Torreira. Like, it's not discriminatory to say that that is an obstacle that you need to overcome yeah. when you're playing people who are twice your size. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Rahul Kavapale, our friend of the blog, he had Luka Modric in his all-time favorite yeah. eleven. And at the time, three months ago, I said, you are an idiot. <laughs> How can you do this? And I'm not saying I'd put him in my team. But I'm saying, 
Luka Modric has shown me this World Cup and the last couple of years that he is in the conversation. Yes. Like, at this point, people will say it's hearsay to have Xavi over Modric. I say go for it. You can do that. I may still have Xavi. But when you have a conversation about Xavi, Xavi Alonso, and Luka Modric, they all can be in that conversation. And he is, and it's just a testament to him that he has put himself in that. Yeah. To the point that people are asking for him to win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. That's just amazing that a central midfielder doesn't have statistics. Right. Can even be thought of in that conversation anymore. But I love that because it gets away from the juvenile conversation and debate that is had constantly, mostly on Twitter. Yes. About, about, oh, well, he's got three assists and 19, whatever. And blah, 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 blah. It's just like, no. If you watch the game properly yeah. and you know what you're talking about and you know what you're looking for, you know that Luka Modric is one of the best players the un- to play the game. The thing is... Because he didn't win, he won't win the ball. No, he won't. And we're <laughs> no, going to have a Messi Ronaldo conversation again. Because he didn't And win. somehow Neymar will be third. And I will cry. <laughs> because Neymar... By the way, if we want to, we can shift to off the final. What, biggest disappointment of the tournament? Absolute mare. Neymar was awful. Ne- Neymar was a disgrace for his diving and his petulance, but he was also not... This was supposed to be Neymar's time. Yep. Neymar was talking about... Openly talking about being the third best player in the world. Because he said, Messi Ronaldo off this world. So, on this world, I am the, I am the best. He was nowhere near it. No, Nowhere near. Again, when K- Kylian Mbappe was better than Neymar. Romelu Lukaku was better than Neymar. Harry Kane, if, even though I think he wasn't that good, was better than Neymar. Everyone, I they, mean, everyone was better they than really, Neymar. They really, Ahmed Musa was better than Neymar. Sure. I'm not even making that up. It's I a was, fact. I was better than Neymar. <laughs> I didn't even play. No, it's just, it was so disappointing. Brazil had a very good team. They finally have a very good manager. And they needed their star player to show up. And show yeah. up for the team and not for himself. And Neymar just didn't do that. And, and look, we criticised him for the move to PSG because it seemed to be either for financial gain or because, you know, the, the, the narrative is he moved there because he wants to win the Ballon d'Or and he can't do it while he's in Messi's shadow. Mm-hmm. If that's your motivation, fine. But go there and take it seriously. Yeah. Don't sod off to back to Brazil for three months to visit your sister and dick around mm-hmm. because you're injured. Like, you can't, you can't have that ambition, especially when you're up against Messi and Ronaldo, who are two of the most professional players of all time. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo probably the most. Mm-hmm. You can't have that ambition and not take it as seriously as them. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a. I think there was a changing of the guard in terms of player that people hated the most. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I think a lot of people hated Ronaldo, although a lot of people love Ronaldo. But I think people all came together with the idea of Neymar really is a piece of shit, and I didn't enjoy him on the pitch, and I didn't. This was just there's nothing to enjoy, like, nothing even for the kids to like. No. Right? There was just nothing there. And I think Brazil suffered as a result of that. Although, I did believe Brazil would still win and he would have been top scorer. This was all set up for him. But it's also, to me, a testament, and we can jump to Belgium. Because Belgium have that dark horse thing where they expect them to do well and they don't. And they've really showed up. I thought they were unlucky against France in the semifinal. Yep. And I was very impressed with, with everything Belgium did in this whole tournament. Yeah, I mean, even even Roberto Martinez, to be honest, yes. wasn't wasn't that bad. I mean, going into it, would I have set them up in a three four three with De Bruyne in central midfield and Carrasco as a wing back? No, but but it worked out <laughs> for a bit. And eventually, he he brought Fellaini in, who actually had a wonderful tournament. Yes, and and pushed De Bruyne forward, and that worked even better for them, and that was wonderful. Um, but this was. This was a really good tournament for Belgium, and they will feel very unlucky and very hard done by by that semi final with France, who frankly just defended yeah. and, and nicked it, and fair enough. But Belgium, arguably, I don't know. I mean, they were certainly the better team in in that final Absolutely. with the ball. Um, and the question is now, where do they go from here? Because we've had this like golden generation thing, and it's been around for probably two tournaments: mm-hmm. the Euros and then the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, the World Cup. And then the Euros, and now this World Cup. So three tournaments. And you'd probably put them as favourites, or, or one of the favourites for the Euros in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. After that, though, some of these teams start to be beyond their prime, no? Yeah, you have to look at what their um, their cycle, their next cycle is going to look like. Is their youth team any good? I don't know, because all I hear about is England's youth team. So I have no idea how good the next proper Belgians are. But I agree, they're still at an age where Euro 2020 is feasible for them to win. So... 
that has to be the next thing and they have to take that next step. They have to win that tournament for this golden generation not to have gone to waste. You know the finals at Wembley. Oh, so it's coming home. <laughs> it's coming home. <laughs> Speaking of that, England, I'm impressed. I was impressed. I I was impressed yet not at the same time. Yes. Because I was impressed because they got to the semifinal. Brilliant. But I, I, when I kind of took my it's coming home hat off and <laughs> You know, my Gareth Southgate blinders off. Waistcoat. I, I, I looked at this England team and thought to myself, did they actually play better than, say, England in 2002 World Cup? No. On the field of play, what they produced was, yeah. not, was not tangibly better than that team. No. It really wasn't. But they negotiated the tournament better. Yes. That's what they did. Yes. Losing against Belgium was key. First of all, yes, you're right, 100%. They managed the tournament perfectly. And second of all... They weren't dicks. <laughs> That's the thing that you can say about this England team, right? They were nice. They were likable. The manager was, was smart and, 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 and sensible and had interesting things to say. And that helps massively with your, with your image. To, to the extent that people really bought into this England team, even though on the field, not that good. Yeah. You look at the results. They beat shit teams. Mm-hmm. They, they drew with Colombia. They beat them on penalties. Well done. I mean, that in itself, to win a World Cup uh, penalty shootout was an achievement for them and a massive kind of monkey off their back. Um, But what was good about England? The back three. Mm -hmm. John Stones had a good tournament. Uh, Kyle Walker. McGuire was was fantastic. The wingbacks had good tournaments. Actually, we were discussing this before. If you think about it, only Lucas Hernandez stands in front of Ashley Young as left back of the tournament. And that's a shocking statement to make, but it is true. But it is true. Yeah. And Ashley Young wasn't even incredible. It's just there is a Durham left back, yeah. and he did quite well. On the right-hand side, Trippier had a fantastic tournament. Yeah. And really, to me, that's as far as it goes. Kane won the golden boot, but it was because of penalties. Lingard and Ali had their moments, but they weren't fantastic. And Sterling was... Was no, tricky. He, he was ca- all right. He was all right. He caused a lot of problems, but his final, you know, the final ball or the finish wasn't quite there. Now, to me, Southgate sacrificed that front four somewhat mm-hmm. because that system brought them solidity that they hadn't had in a while. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of sacrificed the creativity and the attacking flair, and he put that back five there and said, "We're going to win this on moments, on set pieces." And they were bloody brilliant on set pieces. They were. They were. I mean, Blockhead Maguire. <laughs> His headers work, and John Stones, I didn't think he had a header in him, to be honest. Yeah. At City, they don't, you don't associate him with that, and he really showed up with, with, with his heading ability. But Ashley Young's delivery does help with that. Yeah. I was, and Kieran Trippier as well, obviously, wonderful delivery. But just like you said, I don't think England really created anything. No. Like, they didn't, Panama, whatever, who cares? But they didn't, when it mattered, create enough opportunities to put teams away that really makes you feel that they were an impressive side. That's right. Colombia seemed to me a bit like the game of England of old where they are better than the other team, but they struggle. It just seemed very familiar. And winning on penalties was great. But if England had lost, they still would have come out with some credit because, like you said, they were a bunch of nice guys and not a bunch of pricks. Yeah. But were they better than the Rooney generation, Beckham generation? No. On the pitch, what they produced was just not. No, no, that's right. And and honestly, the tournament in a couple of years is a massive opportunity. Because what what Southgate and this team have done is laid a foundation. Yes. That they can build on. And they've got the defense somewhat sorted. All those guys are young. They can mm-hmm. do that again in a couple of years. Pickford was fantastic. We should mention him. Yeah. Um, especially with the shouting. My, and, oh, my <laughs> God. The shouting, and you could hear his accent, as Manu would say, just yes. through the screen. I love it. But yes. also, I mean, he had some very good saves. Very he he good did. Saves. But but they can build on that defensive foundation. They can add to the kind of attacking talent. Jaden Sancho, for example. Mm-hmm. Phil Foden. These guys are young. They're creative. They're attacking. Cessignon's about to have his first career. His, sorry, his first season in the Premier League. There's a lot of attacking, exciting English talent. And as you said, their youth teams have won everything. Yeah. So... This is really quite an exciting foundation. And, and even without, as I think similar to German, um, to Belgium, 2022 Euros is going to be very important. Obviously, finals in Wembley, it's enough motivation that, that, that you need. But at the same time, you look at them, in two years, Lingard will be 27, they'll have to be 23 or something. Kane is not going to be young, it's going to be 26, 27. Again, they also have a young group that can learn from this. I think keeping this group together so they can learn and say, we were solid, 
we, we got semi-finals, but we have another level to get to. Yes. That's important, and they can do that. So I'm excited for what England have to offer. Me too. And that level excludes Jordan Henderson, I'm afraid to say. Oh my lord, against Croatia, he was bad. The guy did not have a bad tournament until Croatia, and then it was horrendous. I don't know if you've seen that video of him in possession against Croatia, but essentially he just boots it down the pitch every time he gets the Unbelievable. ball. Unbelievable. Couldn't can't Loftus-Sheik play that role? Honestly. The defensive midfield role? Yeah. I don't know. Chelsea need to actually play him in some okay, games. Okay, they need to figure that out. I don't know <laughs> if you have to naturalize somebody. I don't care. You, you know Chelsea still own Marco van Ginkel? You're lying. I was. It baffled me. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I assume, will go out on loan again. Um, all right. So let's, we have, let's say, five more minutes to touch on the World Cup. Where, where do we want to go from here? Uh, team of the tournament? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so, in goal, do you have any arguments with Courtois? We kind of mentioned he won the Golden Glove. Uh, no arguments. Okay. Uh, right back. Um, this, so the, I'm reading you the Guardians team of the tournament. Uh, we've got uh, Risako, or however you say it, hmm. at right back. Um, I'd have Pavard. Okay. I like Risako. But I like Provard because his goal was fantastic, and that's the contrast between the two. That was a hit. All right, Trippier honorable mention. Uh, Vida, no arguments. Mm, racist. <laughs> Fine. Okay, <laughs> we'll leave it on one side. Uh, Godin. Wow, wow. Over him, Titi. Uh, my guess is they did this before the final. <laughs> like Titi definitely deserves to be there. Varane is also a decent shout to be there. I mean, Uruguay's um, defensive record was unbelievable. It was spectacular until the game they they went out. I understand the logic, but I'm going on Titi. Okay, fair enough. Uh, left back, we already mentioned. Ashley Young is really the only pretender to the Lucas Hernandez throne. Yeah. And Lucas Hernandez is really only there because they got to the final. Yeah. <laughs> so Ashley Young. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many assists does Lucas Hernandez have? Um, all right, midfield. Uh, the Guardian has uh, Perisic, Kevin De Bruyne, and Luka Modric. <clears throat> I can't argue with any of those individuals being in the team. It's very, very difficult to argue with that. If, if there's one to argue with... Actually, I can't. Like, I'm trying to shoehorn Pogba into this, but was he better than De Bruyne? I'm not sure. Was he better than Modric? No. Okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to shoehorn him in. The front three that they've gone for is Mbappe, fair enough. Azad, fair enough. He was better than I expected. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Cheryshev. Now, to me, yes, Cheryshev had a good tournament for Cheryshev. Mm -hmm. uh, And he scored some really cool goals against some really bad teams. But, like, really? Team of the tournament? So, if we remove him and we put Perisic into the front three, you can slip. You can uh, slot Pogba back into that midfield. Yes, but I'm going to take my unbiased hat off for a second. I do want Pogba in here, and I would, if I made this, I would probably rejig the formation to fit him in. I would. Bring you a 3 5 2 or something. Six in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something like that. But based on this, because we're working with this, what I would do is take Cherishev off, even though. Honestly, great tournament. Sure. Russia surprised everyone, although maybe not, if you think about mm-hmm. the Olympics and what they did there. <laughs> but who knows? Um, for me, you take Cherchev out, and unfortunately, I hate to say this, but you put Harry Kane in on the basis of fact is he was a top scorer. Goals. It's a fact. Whether we're, we're happy with how we scored them or not, he is a top scorer. I can't leave out the top scorer in the World Cup out of the World Cup team in the tournament. Fair enough. Honor- honorable mentions for Lukaku, who was fantastic. Again, better than I expected in this tournament. Yep. And and Mandzukic, who is an absolute battle axe. Absolutely. But you know what you're going to get from him, and he yep. gives it to you every time, and that is the reason that he is at Juventus, and he stays at Juventus. And it will be really interesting, actually, I and mean, we'll go on to talk about transfers in a minute, it will be really interesting to see how he does at Juve, whether Ronaldo threatens his position I'm jumping ahead. Let's get there, but let's take a break. Welcome back. We will now talk about transfers, as promised, and there have been not as many as we'd have thought given the transfer window, at least for the Premier League clubs, closes in three weeks. Yes. But there have been some, so we will discuss them. And given we were just talking about an international tournament, I thought we'd start with Edea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's gone from Lille to Locomotive Moscow for 3 million it's probably getting paid a lot to go to Russia <laughs> you'd well, have to be well done well I mean, done it, all, all that tells me is that like scoring the winning goal in an international tournament does not make your career no it doesn't 
you know, yeah. but it can get you paid in Russia. Apparently. Yes. Um, right. Uh, Chelsea have been an utter shambles this summer. You and I have like checked in about this every couple of days and been like, so yeah. like, what's happening? Is Conte gone? Has Sari arrived yet? It seemed like they weren't willing to pay the release clause for Sari. Whatever. They waited it out. Yeah. They've now got him. And they've managed to steal Jorginho from Manchester City, which is quite a coup. Like, I don't understand. Okay, you have a terrible summer. And then you hire a decent manager, although you're probably going to make his life hell yep. in the process. And then you get a good player from the best team, like, under the nose of the best team in England. That's fantastic. I don't understand how they, they go from stupid, stupid, stupid to smart and then smart again. And then they follow that up with possibly the signing of Rugani. What is happening at Chelsea? Like, they this was this a master plan just to hoodwink us the whole summer? It is weird. Like, maybe the delay in the Sari thing was like Sari's been traveling around Italy, like whispering into people's ears, being like, "When I get a job, are you coming with me?" And, and like, I, yeah, Rugani's been linked for like a 40, 45 million pound move. Um, which, to be honest, I don't. I mean, okay, I know Juventus need need money clearly because they're spending a ton of it on Ronaldo. Um, I know they have Chiellini, but he's old. They have Barzagli, but he's really old. Benatia's still there. Was he almost... You're right. No, Benatia's still there, and he's... That's a good point. He's like 30-ish, so mm-hmm. another few years. And they also have uh, Caldara, from, uh, who they brought back from Atalanta. So they have centre-backs, but Rugani was like the young one. Yeah. That came through the academy mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So it would be a bit surprising to me were they to sell him, but nonetheless. But... Let's talk about this from Jorginho's point of view. You're all lined up to go to City. Pep Guardiola, best manager in the world, give or take. Winning team, Champions League, they've just won the league. Mm-hmm. Fernandinho's like there, but he's on the way out, so you can make that spot your own. What did Chelsea offer at this point, other than he's a manager you just worked with, so you know he likes you? Nothing. But that is... Maybe this is a bit of a safe move for him. Absolutely nothing. And, and my understanding was he had a release clause, which City were willing to pay. And it seems that um, Chelsea are offering a bit more than that. But I thought I didn't think that's how that worked. I thought it was mm. you trigger the release clause, you talk to the player, and then move on. So either Chelsea are paying him more money than City, or maybe City weren't all that interested in the first place. Because this dragged on for a long time. Yeah. And... Jorginho's agent said he was going to Man City. Jorginho, point blank, came out and said that he was going to Man City, pretty much. So something must have gone awry in this process that we're unaware of. But it's another case of... And even with Fred joining Manchester United, he was supposed to go to City. City had a long process of getting Riyad Mahrez. Something is not clicking with their transfers, and maybe that hurts them, maybe it doesn't. But... Throw throw Alexis into that into that mix too. Yeah, right. The, you're right. There is a pattern here of City seeming to be the only one in the picture. Yeah, and then these players going elsewhere. But now you've lost out on Fred, you've lost out on Jorginho, and you need someone for that midfield because, as I just said, Fernandinho is there, but he's old, mm-hmm. and you've got you've got sixty games to play, and they need someone in there. And so, unless there's a youth prospect that we're not totally up on that can fill that role, like. How many targets can you let go by before... Before you really make this count? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's on the list, but because we're talking about Juventus, I'm not going to let this podcast go by. <laughs> All right. Wow. Like, we, we heard the rumors. We saw them. I'm not sure we took them seriously until we actually saw the announcement from Real Madrid that Cristiano Ronaldo... Was to leave to Juventus. Comunicado oficial. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> today was his official unveiling at Juventus. It's the only useful oficial comunicado recently because the other two have been we're not signing Mbappe and we're not signing uh, Neymar. Which is like, so what's the point of letting <laughs> him go in the first place? What are you doing? <laughs> but I mean, this is I mean, this is a really fascinating transfer. On the one hand. There have probably been a couple times in his career at Real Madrid where Real Madrid would have taken this opportunity to let him go. Yes. And he's bounced back every time mm-hmm. and shown an incredible amount of fitness and and kind of relevance and durability. And it's kind of... If I was a Madrid fan, I would be somewhat excited by this just because it is absolutely a fresh start. Yes. And it had to happen eventually. And so what better time? 
and they get all their money back for him. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is mental. Just on paper, the fact that they paid... For a 33, you're getting all your money back is amazing. Yeah, it's nuts. And for Juventus, it makes absolute sense. I don't care that it's going to cost them however many, hundreds of millions. A, they'll sort it out somehow, whether legitimately or not, yeah. whatever. But the thing with Juventus is they're going to win Serie A. Mm-hmm. They'd have won it without him. They need to win the Champions League. It's the only thing left for them. And who scores the goals in the important matches in the Champions League? It's Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo. He's been the greatest Champions League player of all time, in my opinion. And even in the last couple of years... The goals he scores against Bayern, Atletico, this is a Juve, big game play. Juventus, exactly. He's actually scored more goals against Juventus than any other player has ever scored. So if you want to win, you take the guy that <laughs> scored more than anyone else against you. But I just find it remarkable because, like you said, this could go wrong in that they don't win the Champions League, but it could also go right because they're going to win, you know, Coppa Italia and Serie A and whatever. Right. And Champions League is very difficult. Real Madrid have had a stranglehold on that thing. But and we all know this is all they actually care about. It's the only reason they actually spent 94 mil on Higuain and yeah. like, did all these things. Everything that they do as a football club is geared towards winning this tournament. Yes. And there is no better player, Barlin or Messi, you can get to win you this tournament right now. So I agree with you. It's fantastic. And I'm enjoying the fact that people that hated and I'm going to call out Tarek, my buddy, Juventus fan, <laughs> hated Cristiano Ronaldo, are singing his praises. And this is what football does. Forget everything is banter. Who cares? Yeah. But you've gotten the best player in the world that you could get yes. to your team. You celebrate that no matter what you think of the person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there have been a lot of people who have said this is brilliant for Serie A. There have been a lot of people who have said this is not brilliant for Serie A. And I, I appreciate both arguments, one of which is the marketing aspect, the high-profile aspect, the this will bring in viewers from elsewhere mm. aspect. The the opposite side of this argument is Juventus have already won seven Scudetti in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Napoli pushed them very close last season, but other than that, no one really challenged them. Roma a little bit, but not really. And so this really just makes the inequality worse. Mm-hmm. And is that a good thing? Objectively, not really. When Cristiano Ronaldo leaves the club, we can talk about that. Because for right now, it's just about Juventus winning the Champions League. And I think all of Italy should be happy if they win the Champions League. Because it does bring a lot more relevance. And potentially down the road, not now, down the road, more money to Serie A. Which, as we've seen in England, gets you players. Sure. And then hopefully you can start competing after that. But for right now, forget it. I, I, I appreciate that as a logical point of view. I would say asking most of Italy to support Juventus is, is know, like asking most impossible. of England to support United. Like, it's, it's an impossible task. But, yes. yeah. but, you know, good luck to them anyway. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens there. Um, just on the kind of ramifications for the other Juventus players, you would think that Higuain would move. Because Ronaldo is going there to play as a number nine. Mm. Yes. He will tell you he's going to start off on the left, but he will occupy that space. So if Iguain is ready and willing to be the Benzema, which I don't think he is, I, I don't think he's mobile enough to do that, then sure. But that's Dybala's role now. Also, Iguain and Benzema spent years like dueling for that spot. I don't think he wants to even hear the word Benzema. Like He probably yeah. <laughs> needs to get out of there. Um, and he was being linked to Chelsea, which I think would actually be a very good move for all concerned. Yeah. Um, Maybe Morata can do the Benzema role if yeah, they switch goals. That suits him more. That kind of makes sense. Yes. Um, what does it mean for Dybala? Hopefully nothing. I would think if you were Juventus, you would want to hold on to Dybala. He's 22 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and or, then, or let him go to Liverpool. Ugh. I mean, I can't imagine. No, it wouldn't. They Even Liverpool can't fit him in their team. I, what he, would you do? Replace Sané? I mean, Mane? No. He doesn't really fit that style. Either. Yeah, he doesn't. He's so more come to United, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's let's take that. Let's take that. Uh, someone who did go to Liverpool, and I find this quite funny, Jadon Shakiri. Now, Liverpool fans have been quite well. They've tried to be excited about this, and mm-hmm. I understand that it's a transfer to your club as an attacking player. Um, he's occasionally fun, but. He's shit, isn't he? He's, I mean, he scores the occasional belter, but like, really? He's serviceable. Okay. That's how I'll put it. Okay. And I love the new nickname Power Cube that's going around. <laughs> I absolutely love it. He's a Power Cube. He's, 
he can be useful under the right circumstances, but even he knows he's only going to play if Salah is injured. Right. So, and as long as he's ready to deal with that, then it's not the worst signing in the world because right now, I don't even, if Lalan is what comes off the bench, then I'd rather have Shakiri. I'm surprised Lalan is still there. To be honest, but Klopp seems to like him. I, I mean, for me, the biggest thing about this is that Shakiri has won the lottery here. Yes. He has won the lottery here. I mean, he, you know, went to Bayern, went to Inter, failed miserably. They didn't want him. To, no one else wanted him to the extent that he went to Mark Hughes' Stoke. Mm-hmm. Has performed very inconsistently at Stoke. To say the least. And he gets a move to a fantastic team with a brilliant manager in the Champions League who plays some of the most exciting football in Europe. He has won the lottery. Yeah. Absolutely. And so he better make the most of this. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, Jorginho have done William Carvalho to Betis, which is quite funny just because he was linked with everyone forever and he ends up at Betis. I'm sad, except for the fact that Betis seems to have stumbled on some money. Yeah. I don't know where they got it from. Because uh, they also have what I consider to be, I don't know if it's the best or the worst transfer video this, this summer with Inui yeah, it was bad Dragon Ball it wasn't bad because it was kind of bad because it was, it was kind of good because it was bad yeah I mean all I'll say about that is like children might like it but that's a good segue because let me talk about what has for me been objectively right. the worst announcement video which is that Barcelona who have done a little bit of business here and there uh, signed Clement uh, well, I would say Langlais but apparently it's Lenglet I don't know okay. from Sevilla 35 million for the centre back who Sevilla only bought a year ago from mm. like Nancy or whatever and the announcement video for this if you haven't seen it please go onto YouTube search Clement Langlais Barcelona announcement video it is so horrendous it's boring at the end it says enjoy Lenglet like it's well, it's it, like a talking football that is <laughs> It's like a sorting hat from Harry Potter. It's, firstly, that ball was creepy. Like it looked so creepy. Yes, and and it was just talking about Messi the whole time. And <laughs> yeah, like it was talking about like things in Messi's museum, and then all of a sudden, and like literally just all just ended. All of a sudden, <laughs> said enjoy language. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like you know what it's like. It's like one of those um, like perfume commercials where it shows you something completely random, and you're like, what is this about? Yeah. And then at the end, it's just like. Yeah, Davidov, uh, for men. It, it was almost as if Barcelona felt we need to massage Messi's ego because he just went out <laughs> of the World Cup. So let's make this all about him and then throw in a little bit of... Like, what? what? Like, I don't know. If I was Lenglet, I would be quite annoyed by this. Other than the fact that I've just transferred to one of the best teams in the world after only one year of proving myself in, yes. in and, La Liga. So and, fair enough. And by the way, this might be a good segue to talk about the... Football scam that was the Paulinho transfer because yes. he has now gone to that's this is money laundering. I'm sorry, hundred percent. This is all this was hundred percent. So Barcelona signed uh, Paulinho from Guangzhou Evergrande for I think forty million pounds or whatever euros, yeah. and now uh, they've loaned him back yeah. when he actually did pretty well. He did very well. What this is laun like? No, this is. Not financial fair play. This is a crime. This is an actual crime. If someone isn't investigating this, like, oh, what on earth? Anyway, another weird thing in Paulinho's bizarre career. Um, And to replace him, they've they've bought Artur from from Gremio for 35 million. Um, I don't know anything about this kid other than that he's proper good on Football Manager, but, like, who isn't? Yeah, but so was Henri Saivet, and I have not heard anything (laughs) about that kid. Fair. For years. Fair. Um, Southampton have signed for 18 million someone called Yannick Vestergaard from Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's a centre-back. That's all I can tell you. We're still investigating who he is. Okay. Uh, this one's big. Fulham. Little Fulham. Mm-hmm. Plucky little Fulham. Jean-Michel Serri for 25 million. The Europe's biggest clubs are after this guy, allegedly. He nearly joined Barcelona a couple of years ago. Does that mean he's shit? Or does that just mean that the other clubs didn't know what they were doing? I, do, I really don't know. Well, tr- people I trust on Twitter have said that he's very good. Yeah. Because Chelsea were linked, Arsenal were linked, United were linked at one point. I'm, I'm seriously surprised. And who are we talking about that needs? City need a midfield, yeah. apparently. And Fulham signed? I don't know what they're smoking up in Fulham. but I'm not sure. I mean, they sat him down. They were like, listen, you can play with Ryan Sessegnon. 
And he must have loved that. And Siri was like, he sounds French. I'll do it. My question is, is the Michael Jackson statue still there? <laughs> and did he see <laughs> that and think, this is where I need to be? He loves a little soft shoe shuffle. <laughs> I don't think it is, but that would be very funny. Um, West Ham have signed everyone. Um, Yarmolenko from yeah. Dortmund. He's a good player. Okay. Um, but he's 29 and they spent 18 million on him. Whatever. It's worth a shout, possibly. Uh, Issa Diop is a 21 centre-back that they signed from Ligue 1. Um, allegedly a lot of potential, quite raw, that kind of thing. Sure. Jackie Wilshire. Mm. This is a cliche transfer. Mm. This is rubbish. You're not impressed? I'm not impressed at all. Jack Wilshire is, like you said, cliche. He's done, passed it. The big hole doesn't want him anymore, so let's grab him. Like this, this screams of Alex Song. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame. Everything about Jack Wilshere's career is a shame. It's, it's even his his kind of little video that he took, announcing himself as a hammer, um, in which he said he wants to get West Ham back up to where they belong. Which is where? Which is where? The Intertoto Cup that doesn't exist anymore. Oh so yeah. So where do they really belong? Nowhere. <laughs> no, mid table. Okay. Um, However, to try and escape from the table, they have signed Felipe Anderson, who a couple of years ago was a very exciting uh, winger for Lazio. He still was a winger for Lazio, but less exciting in the last year or so. This is also a financial crime. $42 million or whatever that was for a guy who no one wants anymore. Yeah. How? Why? I don't understand. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is that Pellegrini is in charge. Presumably, he's signing off on these things. I mean, like... He's quite an intelligent man. Yeah, but he's signing players as if he's still manager of Guangzhou Evergrande. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're signing washed up, up people that are, could not give you that much value. It's true. It will be very interesting to see what he does with this lot. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Riyad Mahrez to Manchester City. We discussed this a little bit. Do, let's just start here. Do you think they need him? No, but it's good to have. Sure, but is it is it an, another example of big clubs just hoovering up talent because they can, as I've read in some places? Uh, yes, in a sense, because I agree. They, I mean, I don't think they need him because Raheem Sterling should start, despite his misgivings. He should start, and Bernardo Silva was fighting him for that spot. Silva didn't really work out, in my opinion. But David Silva is getting older, as we've discussed, so maybe he fills that position instead, which he, I think he's more natural at, the free role kind of right. thing. And then Riyad Mahrez could fight with Sterling for the right wing position. That makes a lot of sense to me if that's what they're trying to do. Fair enough. Here's my prediction for Mahrez, which is that uh, Sterling is going to come back to City late because he was deep in the World Cup. Mm. Um, Bernardo Silva, I think you're right. I think he will play probably more centrally this season. So I think Mahrez is going to start the season in the 11. And I think he's going to have a great start. I think City are going to have a great start. And then after 10 games or so, let's see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. By the way, the fact that the Premier League starts so late, Manchester United are not going to have anybody playing for them. Like, yeah. actually, Martial, Sanchez, and Mata might be the starting front three. Yeah. That's scary to me. It's a good but, point. Yeah. It's a good point. But then, yeah, I, I guess... Most Premier League teams might have that issue. Like, same as, like, Spurs. Arsenal don't have it because only Welbeck went to the World so Cup. this is your chance to win the league. It actually is. <laughs> actually got a manager now. I mean, this is the last one I wanted to talk about. So Arsenal finally got over the line in the Lucas Torreira deal after a year ago I went out of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. This is... Arsenal have made a lot of signings this summer. Uh, Bernd Leno in goal. Uh, Socrates Pathiropoulos at centre-back. Uh, Lichsteiner at right-back. A lot of what look on paper to be kind of sensible moves mm-hmm. uh, to fill out a squad that needed some, some balance. Torreira, though is one that I'm actually excited about. He's 22, he's a defensive midfielder, he actually tackles, he, he's actually mobile, he's got a passing range. He's actually good. He's actually good. He combines, you know, the attributes of the... Arsenal have a lot of midfielders who do different things. Mm-hmm. And then he does one thing, and, and Xhaka does another thing, and Ramsey does another thing, but Torreira actually has a range of attributes. Yeah. And it's very exciting. I, I think he's a wonderful signing, and probably the reason that uh, Jack Wilshere's gone and mm. probably for good cause, because he's also going to give, I think, Aaron Ramsey a further platform mm. to show himself and show what he can do without having to do something that he's not good at. I think that's fair. Oh. Anyway, I, I think you're right. I think Arsenal will probably start the season. Well, they've got City and Chelsea to start. Oh, never mind. But, <laughs> but I think in general, they should probably start the season quite well. You know, the, the new manager bounce, even though it's coming in over the summer. you got as well. Keeper, there are mixed reports about him, but he's got to be better than Petr Cech, who is horrendous. Yeah. 
um, you know, the back four should be a bit more solid with coaching and stuff. Mm. Um, and, and uh, I mean, they had their first preseason friendly the other day. They beat Boreham Wood 9-0. I could beat Boreham Wood 9-0. Yeah, but could you beat a team 22-0 like Everton? Oh, good shout. Everton for the league. Yeah. yeah. Um, I assume you've seen the clip of the goalkeeper literally moving out of the way. It was a smash fan. <laughs> I've never seen it, but yeah, sure. Um, but Aubameyang started with a hat-trick, and it will be... I mean, the guy came in halfway through the season and scored, what was it, 10, 12 goals? Yeah. It will be very interesting to see what he does with the full season and like proper tactics and stuff. And in the Europa League again. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're going to try and pod uh, regularly. I don't know. We might take a break before the season starts or the European season. Anyway, we'll, well, the season's out. like next week, so yeah. we'll probably pod again. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be back soon. Uh, but keep us, uh, keep us on your Twitter feed at under underscore the kosh for any updates. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, take care. For downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh, and for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.